In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Please be seated. I wanted to ask you if your folks had cryptic sayings when you were a kid. I was the first one of my family to be born off of the farm, so I heard these all the time. And since I was a city boy, I understood almost none of them. My mother was the greatest preponderant of these sayings, like, you're going to pay for your raisin. She also said, things are not always as they seem. Now, I was smart enough to understand that when I heard these things, it was clear that I had made an error in judgment, so I knew that wasn't good. But actually, things are sometimes the way they seem. They're almost always the way they seem. Who doesn't know this? Don't invest if the financials are suspicious. If the toothpick comes out of the middle of the cake with a few clumps on it, it's not done yet. <laughs> Beware of people trying to separate you from your money. Simple. The reading from Corinthians that Lauren had read for us is too short to tell the whole story. In the whole of Scripture, we see evidence of 13 famines in and around Israel. This is serious business. Famines happen for all sorts of reasons, lack of rain, poor seed, ill-chosen farming practices. All these play a part in crop failure. And these famines are always about the staples of life. There are, are no inconsequential food shortages when one lives in the Near East in biblical times. When Paul was writing to the Corinthians, life had changed for the worse in Jerusalem. There was yet again another horrible famine, and it broke Paul's heart that the birthplace of the church was in such need. Paul had this idea that the churches that he had planted to the north and to the west, well, surely they would have pity on those in Jerusalem and want to help the people there. Now again, this wasn't like Jerusalem was out of their gray poupon. This was a hard famine, and the people were in trouble real trouble. And so the Apostle Paul is charging the churches that he founded to give money to help those caught in this food shortage in Israel. And he was speaking now directly to the church in Corinth. Life sure can turn, can't it? In our reading, Paul is reminding the church and us of this simple truth. The harder thing about the situation in Jerusalem is that what is needed is cold, hard currency. No mission trip would help these people. Nothing needs to be built. Scrub land didn't need to be cleared. 
There are some problems that only money can alleviate. And this is the issue. When one talks about money, even if you are the Apostle Paul, people seize up because next to the Lord being the same today, yesterday, and forever, money is one of the first things that human beings turn toward to protect themselves from hardship. Now, money's not everything. To be sure, money cannot replace family and true friends in times of hardship. But sometimes a few extra Benjamins tucked into your wallet, well, they can make the difference between subsistence and disaster. And what we don't easily glean from this letter to the Corinthian church is that that church had already taken a pass on this whole collection thing from Paul. They had already said, no thanks. Now imagine that, saying no to the Apostle Paul. And so here's where we find Paul. His first letter to them, having not done much good, he now writes in a different tone perhaps. This time he's talking more about the spiritual link between giving and gratitude. Now, of all things that Paul knows, he knows that things are not always as they seem in the economy of God. Paul is asking the hardest of all things to ask for money and not for himself. And now I think even in this part of the letter, not even for the church in Jerusalem, he's asking for money because the very act of giving is a sign of spiritual health, the spiritual health of the church he helped found in Corinth. Now look, for believers, this is often the most difficult and, frankly, the last lesson that we can learn about the spiritual life. And because things are not always as they seem, folks can be forgiven for trying to separate out the spiritual life from life in general as a whole. And Paul is saying there is no separation. The spiritual life swallows up the whole of life for believers. Paul is asking Corinth and even us today to understand that for believers, things only take on true value when they are used. Ideas are only powerful when they are shared. For the most part, faith comes alive only when put to use in mission and ministry. And money only has real value when it is given up for something good and true. This is such an an important lesson for the body of Christ. But sometimes the body gets confused because we receive such mixed signals in our world today about what is important and what is not important. We make these valuations all the time. 
these valuations that hold us back. We say, I can't teach a class at church because what happens if someone asks a question that I can't answer? We make ourselves believe that gathering on Sundays or tending to our spiritual well-being through a Bible class isn't important. We choose not to put our faith into action because, honestly, we say to ourselves, what good could just one additional person do for the homeless or the hungry in our city? St. Paul puts all of this into perspective for the church. Paul ties his request right back to the Lord, giving himself on that rugged cross. Friends, we only have life and salvation because Jesus Christ poured himself out for us. And like Christ, we are asked to give of ourselves, our possessions, our minds, our bodies for the good of the body of Christ. And these are such powerful words, such encouraging words for us. It's a reminder in our world that continually tells us that nothing matters, that everything is private tells us that we should get all we can as soon as we can for as long as we can. Sure enough, things are not always as they seem. In God's economy, things only become valuable when we give them away, when we put them into the service for others. The church bids us to wrestle with this paradox, that the easiest way to see blessing in our lives is not to hold back, to not live a small and self-centered life. No. The easiest way to see blessing is to live lives of thanksgiving, offering peace and forgiveness. You see, when we live into this sort of invitation, the church, you and I are the church. The church is assured of being a blessing to Jerusalem, to Dallas, and to the world. Amen.